Hi, I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. All right. Hey, y'all. We just moved here from California about a month and a half ago. I know some of you already don't like me just for saying that. I'm sorry. California, we did. We drank the Kool-Aid. Um, but we really felt like God is doing something in Texas. And this is where we're Prophetic Company. We relocated our home base, the Prophetic Company Global, to the Austin area to work with uh, your amazing leaders and other churches in the central Texas area. But how many of you guys know God's up to something big and he's doing something really unique here in the Austin area? And if you're here, then you're called to be part of it. Did you know that? So I'm learning some of y'all's lingo. All y'all. You guys like to abbreviate things. I'm learning, right? Like fixin' to? Do you, how many people actually say fixin' to? I'm like, if I actually say that, someone, I don't know, send me back to California. But I'm finding that you can't abbreviate everything. Because I tried to say I'm going to the Heb. <laughs> See? And then they're like, no, you can't abbreviate what seems obviously an abbreviation already. H-E-B. No, you have to go to the H-E-B, right? Not the Heb. How many people say Heb, for real? Really? There's like five people that acknowledge that. Dang it. I'm learning. It just takes so long to say. Anyway, I'll, fa I'll learn it. So again, I'm honored and so glad to be here. I am a co-founder of Prophetic Company Global with Dan and Regina McCollum. How many of you guys love Dan and McCollum in the house? He's here right now. My daughters are also here with us. Um, and yeah, I do want to give you away a little bit of um, resources right now. We brought just a couple things. But um, as Renee mentioned earlier, I have two books out. I only brought one with me tonight. My first book is called Own Your Assignment. And it is for um, particularly a prophetic call to raise up kingdom mothers in the earth. How many of you guys believe that the, um, the great harvest is now coming and now is? You know, it's coming and now is, right? And what's happening is we're going to be seeing all these these orphans coming into the kingdom of God, and they're suddenly sons and daughters, but they're not automatically going to know how to live as sons and daughters. So they need fathers and mothers to raise them up into their world changer identity so that they can be released into the earth. And so I believe actually that, that this is like God's call for raising up women in particular, along with fathers, to be those kingdom mothers to release to release the great harvest. And so, um, so you can get that on Amazon, but I also just came out with my second book. It feels so great to say that. I don't know if some of you guys have written a book before, but it's like, I have two books. I'm working up to Dano. He's got like, what, 25 now? It's not a competition or anything like that. So this is my second book. Um, it's called The God Connection. And did you guys know that you are hardwired to know God's voice? Like, it's in your 
physical, your emotional, and your spiritual being. You're literally hardwired to know his voice. And I like to use this example of like, like an Apple iPhone, right? Because Apple, what's unique about an Apple phone, I'm, I'm sorry if you guys aren't apostolic. I know some people like Androids and stuff like that. But this, this kind of serves my illustration well. So, you know, Apple computers, they have the hardware which is my phone, but they also have software, which is certain programs and apps that you can only find on an Apple that's built into the, the iPhone, right? Like GarageBand, iTunes, things like that. So think of this, the hardware is your physical being, your emotional being, your spiritual being, but the software is like you are created to receive the voice of God, to hear him, to see him, to know his voice, to um, also feel and sense him. And so one of the things that's in my heart is I want every single son and daughter to know how accessible the voice of God is to them. Honestly, like I grew up in a Christian home and, I've, and I was watching people seem so confident in hearing and knowing the voice, voice of God. But there would be times, honestly, it was like, I don't know that I'm hearing God's voice. Like you're, you doubt it. You're not quite sure what are the ways. Other people seem so much more confident. And, and so my heart is to actually release the accessibility of the voice of God so that you know that you know that God is speaking to you. You know how to recognize it and you know how to respond to his voice. And so that's what this book, this book actually goes through 12 ways you're hardwired in your being to recognize and respond to the voice of God. And so I wanted to give this to someone today. We only have a few copies tonight, but I actually felt particularly, I wanted to give this to someone who maybe you've heard God in a particular way for a while, but you feel like his voice has been silent. Uh, Maybe he's been pulling back and you're like, I haven't heard God the way I've heard him in a while, and I'm, I'm wanting to hear him. Does anyone? Yeah, sir, come on up. You're the first person up, so come on. What's that? Hey, what was her name? Stephen. All right. Thank you. I received that. And Lord, I just want to impart this. Father, I just pray right now that you would open up Father, every receptor that you have hardwired within him right now, Father God, that he would start to have dreams and visions, Father God. But not only that, he wouldn't have a sense of taste. I I just feel like there's going to be an upgrade in your sense of taste and even smell of the fragrance of God and that he's going to really manifest himself and his voice to you in new ways. And, And even just that light switch would go on as you're reading this and you're like, oh, that was your voice all along. I didn't know that was your voice, but now I do. And so, Father, I thank you that this is not only going to highlight and um, turn on the lights, but it's going to expand uh, the broadband of your voice in his life in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you. We also have um, a couple of Dano's books in the back. For those of you guys, we have basic training for prophetic activation. Um, Did you know that we learn best by doing, not just by hearing? Okay, so this book has over 62 prophetic activations um, so that you can actually start walking out your hardwired ability to recognize his voice. And so this, of course, is available in the back. I actually feel like I wanted to give this away to somebody who has children in the home and you feel like a call to raise them up and teach them how to recognize and to prophesy. Does anyone have a, a heart right now that, that has young children at the home? Um, yeah, sir, come on up with a hat. Yep, come on up. All right. I could frisbee it, but it's pretty heavy. Come on. 
How many of you know, we always say this, the next generation, may they hear the voice of God. All right, you guys. So I'm coming to you today as an equipping prophet. I have a heart to see every single prophetic promise over your life fulfilled and activated. I, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to see it come forth in your life, you guys. And so at Prophetic Company, we have, uh, we have three core values in the prophetic that I just want to share briefly. And then what I'm going to do is really focus on the, the third value and then kind of dive deep into what I feel like the Lord wants to do tonight. So our first value is accessibility, that everyone can prophesy. Everyone can prophesy. Joel 2.28 says this. He says that he poured out his spirit on all flesh so that every son and daughter can prophesy. What's the qualifier, you guys? Some of you guys already know. Some people think, like, is it a Bible degree, or do I have to, like, meet the certain spiritual quotient? What if I yelled at my kids today? Do I no longer qualify to prophesy? No, it's like God said he poured out his spirit on all flesh. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got a lot of flesh. It's a good little icebreaker. How often can you tell people that? What does that mean? The potential for the spirit of God in this room is so strong because there's a lot of flesh in this room. If you got flesh, you qualify, you guys. The spirit of God is in you. Come on, we were singing about it, right? We want to be a temple. What do you think that means? You have the spirit of the living God who created everything around us in you. So his voice is accessible. The second value we have is diversity, that we all receive in different ways, and we can all deliver in different ways as well. So just as I mentioned in my book, all of us are hardwired to hear him, to see him, to know him. Those are the different ways that we can hear God. Aren't you glad he's not just a vanilla-flavored God? Seriously, if there was only one way to, to see him or whatever, then it's kind of like it would get boring after a while, I think. He's so interesting. He's so various. He's so multifaceted. He just, there's so much to who he is. And so again, there's multiple ways that we can receive from him. And there's multiple ways we can give a prophetic word. Did you know that there's more to just giving a prophetic word than speaking it to someone? We actually train in eight different ways to release a prophetic word, um, and we're going to be doing that at School of Prophetic Trainers. So diversity is our second value. And our third one, and this is where I'm going to focus a little bit more, and it's accountability. Accountability. We, we test and we judge and we act on prophecy. This is so important. Once a word has been tested to be the word of the Lord, we act on it. Okay. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. You know, we all get so excited when we, receive a, when we receive a good word, right? When we receive a prophetic word, we get our phones out, we record it, right? How many of you guys get excited when you get a prophetic word? This is a prophetic house. I know you guys know what I'm talking about here. We get excited to receive a prophetic word, but what happens after you receive a word? How many people in this room have promises from God that you have yet to see fulfilled? Yeah, yeah. What if these prophecies on your shelf are actually waiting for you, not God, to come forth? 
What if there's more to prophetic promises coming forth in your life than what you currently understand? Today, I want to give you guys some keys that will help you get activated towards the fulfillment of these promises. Some of you guys have had promises, prophetic words on the shelf for so long. And I want to show you guys some keys, again, how to release and activate and start mobilizing these prophetic words. Why? Because the kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is advancing. If you're not advancing, you're dying If you're not growing, you're stagnant. There's no such thing as an in-between place of not going up or down or not moving forward. You're either advancing or you're retreating. Are you advancing with the prophetic promises that God has spoken over your life? And so I want to kind of show you guys four responses that I have seen to when somebody receives a prophetic word. So the first one is this. I call this providence. Okay, providence. Providence is when you receive a prophetic promise and God will sovereignly come in and make that that promise happen. All right? So we call that providence. And I feel like this is where we often get stuck because what happens is we're waiting for God to do his thing and make that promise happen. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, I think that's honestly how I used to see the prophetic word. Oh, I I received this. Okay, God, make it happen. Genie in the bottle, right? Like I'm waiting for you. And so we often think that this is the rule, not the exception, but it's actually the opposite. I'm going to say that again. We often think providence, that sovereign fulfilling of the prophetic word is the rule, but it's actually the opposite. I would say that the sovereign promises of God are probably like what? About 20, 30% when you receive a prophetic word. I'm going to give you guys an example of this because I can hear in the room people are like pondering right now. So let me give you an example of a sovereign promise. Okay, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, was visited by the angel Gabriel, remember, he comes to her and he says, you're going you're gonna to bear a son as a virgin and his name shall be Jesus, right? So here she is. She's receiving her prophetic word, you guys. She's got her phone out. She's getting her prophetic word from the angel, just like we do. I just want to give you guys a little bit of context of how much it was like in that day. She's receiving this word. In her best day, she could never get pregnant without a man's help. Today, you probably could because you got in vitro and things like that, right? But, but even then, you still can't. Like she, on her best day, she could not do it. What needed to happen? Well, in order for her to get pregnant, she needed the Lord to actually to hover over her, sending his Holy Spirit and, and, and impregnate her by the Holy Spirit. Like there, there was nothing she could do to make that happen. God had to do it. Does that make sense? But I want you to catch something. He still needed her agreement. He wasn't going to force that on her. What was her agreement? Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me. God was looking for Mary's agreement so that he could overshadow her and that she could bear forth Jesus on the earth. So that is an example of a providence word where, again, Mary could not have made that happen. It was a promise, but it needed God to come through and miraculously step in. And that does happen. We do get those words. Okay, a second type of response to a prophetic word is passivity. 
passivity. I think this one's probably a lot more common than we realize. So passivity is where we receive a prophetic word. We put it on our little shelf, on our pantry, all organized with all our other awesome prophetic words. And then we do absolutely nothing about it. We don't listen to it again. We don't transcribe it. We don't process it. And we just kind of put it on the shelf. And we wait for God to come and do his thing. I think some of it might be related to, because we think, uh, again, we had this idea that God would come and make it happen. And so what happens often, I've seen, is that when God doesn't come in and make that word happen like we thought he would, then we get disappointed or mad at God that the word didn't manifest And eventually, we can learn to despise prophecy. Do you see that? Do you see what happens? We get disappointed. Well, I got a word, but it never happened. I received a promise, but God didn't make it happen. So he must not be good, or he didn't do it. He just didn't do it. And then we eventually start to despise prophecy because we didn't see it manifest. But we didn't realize that there was a part for us to play. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. The third, uh, the third response to receiving a prophetic word is presumption. Presumption. And this is where I also believe a lot of people get stuck. Because um, when we receive a word, I understand this. It's like we don't want to get ahead of God. We don't want to go outside. We don't want to be presumptuous in fulfilling the prophetic word. Do you guys know what I'm saying? And so what I want to do is I want to actually remove the obstacle of presumption by showing you biblically what presumption actually looks like. And so we can see this um, in Numbers 14, where it's that, that whole story of when the Israelites were about to go into the promised land. We're all very familiar with the story. And so then, you know, they send the 12 spies out, the 10 return with the bad report, the two return with the good report. We can do this. And you guys know what happens. The entire nation believes the 10 spies and the bad report. And as a result, they completely forfeit the promised land for that generation. Right? So what's interesting is after that whole thing happens, um, Moses and God have this exchange about what to do next. And so ultimately, God ends up telling him, and he says, he's like, you know what? This generation will not enter the promised land. And, 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 so, and then they're going to be in the desert for 40 years, and their children will go in. So what happened is they didn't like that option. <laughs> they're like, door number one looks a little better right now, right? And so this is what they say. They, they say, we're actually going to go up now. We have sinned, but now we're going to go up and take the promised land. And then Moses tells them in Numbers 14, 42, he says, do not go up, for the Lord is not among you to prevent you from being defeated by your enemies. So now the Lord is saying, no, you do, do not go up. The Lord's not with you. But what happens is they go up anyways. And listen to this. It says, Numbers 14, 44, nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up towards the highest point in the hill country. Okay, biblically, when someone acted presumptuously, it wasn't because God told them to do something and they went to fulfill it to the best of their ability. Biblically, presumption was direct disobedience to what God asked. Presumption is God says, go left and you go right. God says, go up and you go down, right? God says, yes, and you say no. 
Do you see this? And like, it actually had to do with a direct opposite of what God was actually happening. And so for some of us, you know, what's happened is we've received these prophetic words and we're so afraid again of like, I don't want to get ahead of God. That's being presumptuous or I, I, I don't want to get ahead of him. And I, and I totally understand that. But the truth is if God told you to do something and you're not doing the direct opposite in disobedience, then you're actually stepping into what I believe is prophetic partnership. See, when we are afraid of being presumptuous, we end up not moving at all. Right? So we've got like, we've got like two, main, two main responses that actually immobilize the church. The passivity and that fear of being presumptuous. And I feel like that has been such an obstacle to some of these prophetic words in your life. Come on, I want to put wheels on your prophetic promises tonight. I want to see wheels being attached tonight and actually an acceleration. I believe there's going to be an acceleration and a grace of your prophetic promises and your words to start moving at a rate that you haven't seen before. You want to know why? Because you are the world changer that God has called you to be and he needs you to believe him and the promises that he's given you so that you can fully step into who he's called you to be and change your world. But we need the prophetic. We need to know the voice of God and how to do that. See, presumption is not receiving a word from God and then proceeding to act on it to the best of your ability. God calls that partnership. God calls that partnership. Let's talk about partnership right now, all right? Partnering with God's promises over your life is more than just receiving a word. Did you know that? A lot of times we're like, I'm partnering. I just received a word. Yay. You know, like, no, there's actually so much more to your prophetic word than just receiving it. I want to share with you today a biblical example of what I believe prophetic partnership looks like. And, um, it, it kind of hit me really hard several months ago when I read this passage because it was, it was like this light bulb moment for me. And so I want to read for you guys a story out of the Old Testament. Um, it's out of Kings. It's about a man named Jehu. It's a little PG-13. I mean, it's just because it's, um, there's a little bit of violence. You'll see when I read the passage. But let me set up a little bit of context for you. So Ahab and Jezebel, we know who they, those guys are, really the most wicked king and queen of Israel's time, right? So this is kind of in their time period. They've already passed, but their son, his name is Joram, is currently um, in control of Israel. Now, Elisha is the prophet at the time. Okay, Elisha is going to send a young prophet to this man named Jehu, who is a commander, and he's going to anoint him king. Let's go ahead and pick up the story in 2 Kings 9, verse 4. So here's Elisha, who's going to send this prophet. I want you guys to catch this, okay? This is going to change your life, I promise. <laughs> okay, so the young prophet went to Ramoth Gilead. When he arrived, he found the army officers sitting together. I have a message for you, commander, he said. For which of us, asked Jehud. For you, commander, he replied. Jehu got up and went into the house. 
Then the prophet poured the oil on Jehu's head and declared, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anoint you king over the Lord's people Israel. You are to, okay, this is his assignment. You are to destroy the house of Ahab, your master, and I will avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the Lord's servants shed by Jezebel. I, the whole house of Ahab will perish. This is the PG-13 part. I will cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel. I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam. As for Jezebel, dogs will devour her on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and no one will bury her. Then he opened the door and ran. I love that the Bible just put that in there. Like, here's this prophet that literally released this intense word that could be considered treason, honestly, at that time. So he comes to this commander and he says, God has anointed you king. Okay, you guys, he just got his prophetic word, just like you do, right? He received a prophetic word that he is going to be king over Israel, but there was an assignment attached to it, which was to destroy, completely destroy the house of Ahab and Jezebel. Okay, so this is what's going on. Now, what happens is Jehu immediately steps into that prophetic word by partnering with it. And he and him and, the, and his officers, they announce him as king. And then he goes after uh, the evil king Ahab's son, um, Joram, to fight him. So he's, he meets him on the battlefield, pulls back his arrow. Jehu pulls back his arrow, releases it, deals a death blow to Ahab's son, Joram. So here's Joram, who's now slumped in a chariot. I know, it's such a weird example, but you guys will get the point here in just a minute. So after he shot Joram, listen to this in verses 25 to 26. Then Jehu said to Bidkar, his chariot officer, remember how you and I were riding together in chariots behind Ahab, his father, when the Lord spoke this prophecy against Ahab? Yesterday, this, so Elijah gave this prophecy about Ahab. Yesterday, I saw the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, declares the Lord, and I will surely make you pay for it on this plot of ground. Okay, sorry, one more context. Naboth was a man who had a vineyard, an Israelite who had a vineyard next to Ahab's palace. Ahab wanted his vineyard because he was a whiny king, and so he ends up killing Naboth so that he could take his vineyard, okay, which was a very evil thing to do. So as a result, Elijah comes to Ahab and says, your sons will pay for it. Their blood will pay for it on this very vineyard, on this very plot of ground, all right? So that's a little context. Okay, so here's Jehu, the commander. He remembers the prophetic word that was spoken about this. So he directs his chariot officer. He says, now then, pick him up, King Joram, the dead King Joram. Pick him up and throw him on this plot in accordance with the word of the Lord. Did you guys catch this? Jehu was essentially partnering with the word of the Lord. What happened? They were fighting over here, but the plot of land was over here. So what happens? Jehu's like, I remember the word of the Lord that said that his sons are going to pay for it on this plot of land. So what I'm going to do is partner with the word of the Lord by picking up this body, going over here and dropping it here so that the word of the Lord can be fulfilled. See, some of us would call that presumptuous, but God called that partnership. 
Jehu partnered with the word of the Lord by essentially making it come to pass to the best of his ability. He honored the prophetic word by fulfilling it. He honored the prophetic word by fulfilling it. See, when God gives a promise, he doesn't always give us the how. Right? God gave Jehu a promise with an assignment attached to it, but he didn't give him a blueprint on how to go after this. He didn't, there wasn't like an angel coming down and giving him like, you know, directions, turn left here, go to this. Sometimes God does that. And when he does, we listen, we obey, we partner with his directions. But if he doesn't, do what Jehu did, which was to partner to the best of his ability and make that thing happen. Do you guys catch this? See, I love this, that, that for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, right? To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. His heart, Jehu's heart was loyal to him. I remember the prophetic word. I want to help partner with that prophetic word by making it come forth. Are you guys catching this? Are you getting excited yet? Because there is, this is part of that activation. See, sometimes what we call presumption is actually partnership. And this is crazy, is that this pleased God, right? It's like, how did he go forward? How did Jehu step into this? How did, he, how did he actually accomplish this? You know what? He just went out and did it. He just went out and did it. He, he agreed with the prophetic promise. He stepped into that anointing as king, and he immediately started to step into that assignment. He just did it. He took action. He believed God, and he obeyed. And in 2 Kings 10.30, check this out. The Lord says to Jehu, because you have done well in accomplishing what is right in my eyes and have done to the house of Ahab all I had in mind to do, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. He did everything that was in the heart and the mind of God to do. How did he do it? He just went out and did it to the best of his ability with what he knew in partnership with fulfilling the word of the Lord. And he wasn't the only one. We actually see Jesus doing this. From the time that Jesus came to the time of his resurrection, his burial and, and I mean, his, his death, burial and resurrection, he was intentionally coming to fulfill the word and the promises of God. I think sometimes we think like Jesus kind of organically was happened to be in the right place at the right time to fulfill the word of the Lord, right? Do you guys know what I mean? But I believe that there are a lot of times that Jesus was very intentional and knew exactly what he was doing. One of the times that we actually see this is found in Luke 4, where he comes into the synagogue, remember, and he's going to pull out the scroll of Isaiah, and he sits in the chair that's been reserved for the Messiah for hundreds of years that only the Messiah can sit in. You tell me he did not know what he was doing. He goes and he sits in this chair. He pulls out the scroll and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to captives, receive sight to the blind. He's reading the scroll and then he says this, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He was partnering with the prophetic promises, you guys. 
How was he doing it? He was intentionally taking steps towards its fulfillment. That's what partnership looks like. Partnering with prophetic promises shows honor to the word and the one who spoke it. So what does this look like practically? Like, like those four responses, I think, are important to understand. And as you're listening to them, I hope that it's sparking kind of an awareness of you like, and a hunger to like, I want to partner with you, Lord. How many of you guys want to partner with the Lord now to see really like what does that look like? Well, I want to give you guys three keys of how to partner with the Lord practically. Because if you can't actually put feet to this, then, then I haven't done my job. Because I really want you guys to walk away with, with keys and tools on how to partner practically with the Lord. So these are three positions of prophetic partnership. The first is this, agree. You agree. Okay, this has to do with your identity. You're going to come into agreement with heaven by believing and confessing what God says about you. So this is your amen to his yes. Right? Because all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, we say the amen. You know what amen means? Let it be so. That's agreement. So here, like, I love that picture of like, the yeses of God, or it's like this ozone of yeses hanging over you guys right now. But it can't drop. It can't be accessed until your agreement gets added to it. Just like Mary, there was a promise that was hanging over her life, but it needed her agreement first. So we need to come into agreement. And it's very simple. We don't have to have some ritual or something big. It's just as simple as like, I agree. Yes, Lord, be it unto me. Be, in, be it in me according to your word. Every promise, when the word has been tested and judged to be the word of the Lord, to be the promise of God, I come into agreement with that word. We have a friend who, um, who has been a, a religious advisor to presidents and kings and was a religious advisor to our former President Trump. And he would receive these words years ago. He received all these prophetic words about, you're going to be a prophet to kings and presidents and leaders of nations. And he got it like so many times. And at the time, he really disregarded it because he thought it was kind of like the the Christian pretty boy buzzword, you know, that you kind of like, you know, you kind of pass out to everybody. Like, you're going to be president. You're going to be a prophet to kings, and you're going to be a prophet to kings. Like, he just thought it was like the word of the day, right? Kind of like everyone gets a house, everyone gets a car, or something like that. So the, he, he really disregarded it. But over a period of a couple years, he got the word like 30 times. And so he finally um, asked a, a well-known prophet friend of his, he didn't give him any context. He just emailed him and said, hey, what do you do when you receive the same word over and over and over? And the prophet responded and said, to reject the word of the Lord is as to reject the Lord himself. That should add some weight. The voice of God is him. When you've tested and you judge that word to be the voice of God, to reject the word of the Lord is as to reject the Lord himself. So our prophet friend um, immediately got on his knees and he repented before the Lord. And he, Lord, I'm so sorry, you know, and he grieved that. But then he said this, he came into agreement and he said, I am a prophet 
to kings. I am a prophet to presidents. I am a prophet to leaders of nations. So he started to come to agreement with these prophetic promises. And within two weeks, he was praying and speaking to the presidents of both Brazil and Mexico. Within two weeks, guys. It had been years. It had been years. Within two weeks of him coming into agreement, that word was released in his life. There's, there are words in your life right now that are waiting for your agreement. It's waiting for your agreement. And we're going to go after that in a few minutes. Okay, the second position or key for prophetic partnership, first one is to agree. The second is to align. We want to come into alignment. This is where you bring your identity and faith into alignment by preparing as far as it depends on you for the promise. What does alignment look like practically? Well, here's some questions. What in me needs to align with who God says I am? Okay, there might be some mindsets that we're believing that's actually blocking our ability to align with who God says we are. I, I was receiving these words about becoming an apostolic mother, and because even though I wrote the book, I was still wrestling with it. And so when God said I was an apostolic mother, I actually had to come into alignment with that word. Not just agreement, but I had to start positioning myself in my heart by walking that out. Alignment. What in me needs to align with who God says I am? Second question, how do I prepare for what God has called me to be or do? We're talking about practical ways to partner prophetically with the Lord, you guys. I heard years and years ago, I, I always thought this was really funny, but it kind of hit its point. Banny Liebscher, you guys know the leader of Jesus Culture, um, I heard him years ago, and I remember him talking about how he would receive these prophetic words, how he's supposed to minister and speak to world leaders and government officials and like just high-level le high influencers. And so he was like, well, how do I start partnering with this word? How do I align myself with this world, word? He's like, I'm going to do... I'm going to learn to do what every world leader does, what every high-level influencer does. He's like, I'm going to learn how to play golf. Have you heard that story? He's going to learn how to play golf. Why? Because all these world leaders do it. He was, what was he doing? In a practical way, he was aligning himself with that prophetic word. We had, um, we had a... Um, a worship conference, a prophetic worship conference several years ago. I'm also, I've been a worship director for over 20 years and also train and teach in prophetic worship. And so um, several years ago, before I really started doing that, we had this conference where a friend of mine from Australia was teaching this breakout session on prophetic worship. And the room was packed and it was awesome. But I remember watching her and I'm thinking, how come she gets to do that, Lord, and not me? Like, why am I not the one up there speaking, right? And I heard the Lord say, because she's prepared herself. She had prepared herself. I didn't have any notes on teaching on prophetic worship. I had not prepared myself by aligning with the prophetic promises over my life. And so I immediately repented and agreed, and then I, I stepped into learning how to do that, preparing the notes, and now I've trained on prophetic worship all over the world. But again, it's coming into that alignment. What do I need to do to prepare? I've had all these prophetic words since I was 19 about, about going to the nations, and the Lord convicted me several years ago. He's like, how can I send you to the nations when you don't even have your passport? 
I'm giving you guys practical ways. A lot of times we think it's this big spiritual thing, but honestly, there are just practical steps that we can step into so that the word of the Lord can be fulfilled. And so I, I immediately went out and got my passport, and within like three weeks, my sister and I had been invited to travel with this crazy man, Dan McCollum, and their team, and go to Australia for the first time, and I've been on six continents in the last four years in like 40 countries, because I got my passport. <laughs> I want to travel again too, Lord Jesus, open it up. I realized I was limiting the Lord's ability to use me by not being prepared. See, what in me needs to align? Why did God send a young shepherd boy to kill a giant? Because he had prepared himself by killing what? The bear and the lion first. How many of our prophetic promises have we missed out by not being prepared? God is faithful, though. Like, he'll come back around for us. But I'm, I'm trying to mobilize the body of Christ. I'm trying to activate you guys. So what does preparation look like? It can look like repentance. Like, Lord, I'm going to think like you, just like Romero did. And it can look like preparation and planning. There's always a learning curve into becoming who he says we are. But it requires your partnership by stepping into that. And then our final key to partnership is to appropriate. Appropriate. You need to act on who heaven says you are. Jehu was given a prophetic word about being king. He believed who heaven said he was, and then he acted on it. He didn't just put it on the shelf and kind of wait for God to come, you know, bringing the minstrels to announce to the world that he was king. No, he immediately believed who God said he was and started acting on the word. David acted like a king long before he was recognized as one, right? How did he do that? He expanded the armies of Israel. He went out and fought against the enemies, expanded Israel's territories, Right? He, he did everything that a king is supposed to do. He, made a, he built up an army like the armies of God. He, ga he gathered the hearts of the people. He did all of that for like 16 years before he was ever recognized as a king. Okay, he started to act according. Some of you guys, wow, I feel like this is for some of you. Some of you guys have been immobilized because you have yet to be recognized by other people. And God is saying it's time to start acting towards who he says you are. Yeah. I'm even going to say this. I feel like there's women in this room that have been waiting for men to validate their position. And you need to be validated by the king of kings and who he says you are. You need to own that. You need to own that. Come on, you guys. I'm not talking about like, I'm, I'm, what I'm talking about is believing who God says you are and then acting on it. Because when he reveals your identity, it's not something future and far off. It's who heaven says you are right now. Our challenge in life is actually learning to agree with who heaven says we are. I feel like that's what the warfare of our identity on this world is. It's actually us coming into agreement and alignment and then acting on who heaven says we are. If you acted in the fullness of who heaven says you are, you're unstoppable. You're unshakable. The kingdom of God is advancing. 
Okay, I'm preaching now. (laughs) Jesus lived his entire life intentionally fulfilling prophetic words even unto the cross. He took action. That's why he came. When I received a prophetic word, I was at School of the Prophets three years ago, and Chris Valatin, you guys know Chris, he's coming here soon, he stood up and prophesied over me in front of 500 people. He's like, you're going to write the book that's going to redefine mothering in the kingdom of God. And it was awesome. I got my word, right? But this is the thing, you guys. I had to act on that word. That book's not going to write itself, like, I think sometimes we, we just kind of have this butterfly and rainbow and unicorn idea about prophetic promises that, oh, it's just going to happen, and I'm going to have the grace, and it's going to be amazing, you know, and I get my little Instagram coffee and my, my little journal and write it, and it's going to be so easy. No, it's not always easy, but there's a grace on it when God releases it. And so I had to act on that word. I had to set my timer every single day. 20 minutes, I'm going to write. 20 minutes, I'm going to write. Oh, there's a grace on me. I'm going to flow a little bit longer. And I kept writing until that book was done. And I was able to release that book uh, one year later at School of the Prophets. It's already been translated into Portuguese and other languages. And it's shifting kingdom mothering, the viewpoint of what kingdom mothering is in, in, in in the body. But this is the point. Again, I had to act on it, you guys. We have to act on it. Sometimes we think walking out prophetic promises with God is like walking on a tightrope. Do you guys know what I mean? Like, okay, I got to go straight. Okay, I'm waiting for him to tell me to go again. Okay, maybe I go a little to the left. Like, we think that God is like this tightrope God. But you know what? We can only walk, um, we think we can only walk in one absolute direction, and we can't move until he tells us. Can I tell you something? Sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes he gives very clear instructions on what to do and when, and when he does, we obey that. But did you know that God is not your micromanager? He is a loving father who delights in partnering with his children. He is a loving father who delights in partnering with his children. See, I believe God is a green light God. Unless he turns it red. Like, I genuinely live my life this way, you guys. When I have a desire in my heart or I feel like there's something God's impressing, I go for it. And I allow the Lord to redirect me if it needs to. But, you know, God can't move a parked car. Right? So what happens is it's like permission granted in the kingdom of God. Move towards the direction of your promises and allow him to redirect your steps if needed. We have these prophetic words right now over prophetic company about build, build, build. Like from major prophets, like this is the season to build, build, build. We don't have specific directions on what to build, how to build, where to build. And so we get to, again, it's this invitation into a conversation with the Lord. Start seeing these prophetic words that you're receiving, not as the be-all, end-all, but the beginning of a conversation that you get to start walking out and partnering with the Lord. We get to delight his heart as sons and daughters. Did you know that it takes more faith to live as a son and daughter than it does to live as a slave? It takes more faith to live as a son and daughter than it does to live as a slave because slaves wait to be told what to do. I'm going to go straight. I'm going to go left. Here's my instructions for the day. That's easy to live by. 
When someone hands you a sheet and you just obey and follow it, son and daughter, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I see it like this big open field. And it's like you're, you're walking with, with Jesus hand in hand. And you're like, Lord, let's go look at these flowers over here. Okay, let's go over here. It's like God wants to see what's on your heart. He delights in your heart. It takes faith to live as a son and daughter. When we're our families prayed about like what this next season looked like, like we didn't, we didn't necessarily have a direct word to move to Texas. But we felt the permission of God as a son and daughter. But you guys, it was, a, it was you had, we wrestled with it a little bit. I want you to know why, because it takes more faith. You know, it's easy for God to say, move to Texas. I will plant you there. Yes, okay, we're good. That's great. But we didn't have that. We are literally stepping out in faith as sons and daughters, believing that everything our hand touches will prosper. And that God is, going to, God is going to raise up a prophetic company and communities in central Texas that's going to be a prototype to the nations. That's why we're here. See, you were created for such a time as this, you guys. God's good thoughts towards you are as numerous as the sands of the seashore. We actually, Dana looked this up. How many sands there are? There's like, how many? Two quintillion? Seven quintillion divided by seven billion people on the planet. So at the very minimum, there's at least a billion good thoughts for every person in this room. At the very minimum. God has billions and billions and billions of good thoughts for you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Come on, let's not react to what's happening in our world Let's respond to the prophecies of God and the promises of God in our life, and let's be who he says we are. That's how we advance the kingdom of God, you guys. This is how we advance the kingdom of God. It's time to dust off those prophetic words off the shelf, you guys, and start processing. I, I just want to encourage you guys, when you get home, listen to your prophetic words again. Write them out. Read over them. Look for those things in your prophetic words where God is actually looking for your agreement, and he's also looking for a part that you're supposed to play. Some of you guys, I feel like, you know what, let's just stand in closing. Um, because I, I feel like I want to release a couple things tonight. Are you guys good? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So let's kind of, I, I feel like I want to walk through these three steps for different people in the room. That first one is coming into agreement. Coming into agreement. Actually, if we could have just like a little acoustic guitar or, or the band or piano, whatever you guys got going on. Awesome. So the first is coming into agreement. Right now, I just I want you guys to close your eyes and I want you to see the yes of God surrounding you like a rain cloud. Lord, even right now, I just pray that you would remind us of some of the promises you've spoken over our lives. Father, the ones that were looking for our agreement, we just didn't know. We didn't know that you created us to be that powerful to be sons and daughters where you wanted and needed our agreement to release even that prophetic promise in our life. So even right now, I just feel like as a prophetic act, let's just say amen. Amen. So as you say amen, I want you guys to put that intentionality. I want you to see your agreement 
right now behind that is you say amen to every promise that God has spoken. So even all the promises, don't just say it once. I want you guys to start saying amen. Like, like some of you guys are called to do things. You're called to write. Some of you guys have books to write. Some of you guys have relationships that God has promised that he's going to bring restoration to. Add your amen. Say, Lord, I agree. I agree. I agree. I come into agreement with who you say I am. Come on, even now, I just see like a shift, just like our prophet friend. When the moment he came into agreement, it unlocked the prophetic promise, and there was an acceleration of that word being released. Your agreement is that powerful, you guys. Your agreement is that powerful, and it starts there. Some of you have been um, resisting the agreement because maybe you were afraid of being presumptuous, or maybe it was too good to believe. Can I just tell you, it's going to be even better than you thought? Because he's that good. He's that good. So even now, you're coming into agreement. As you read these prophetic words and you listen to them again in your cars or as you, when you go home, I want you guys to make that heart shift of agreement. That second area for those of us in the room, alignment. We come into alignment. There are those of you who have agreed, but you need to ask him right now, what in me needs to change to agree with you, Lord? Ask him that right now. What in me needs to change to agree with you, Lord? What needs to come into alignment? There's some mindsets that I feel like God is actually shifting and breaking in right now so that you could fully lock in to the truth of who he's called you to be. Father, I do, I pray, Father, that there would be like that recalibration into your, the heavenly identity of every, every son and daughter in this room, Lord, that we come into alignment with your truth, with the truth of who you are and what your promises are. And then also along with this um, practical way of preparing and aligning, like what can I do to prepare practically for certain promises that you've released over my life? So ask the Lord right now, Lord, what can I do to start preparing towards this? I just feel like the Lord's going to start downloading different ideas. And, and, and some of them may feel really small to you, you know, but I don't want you guys to despise small beginnings. It's like that fish and loaves. God can't multiply your nothing. And so he often gives you just something like that baby step to move towards. And then it grows and it grows. I would receive these prophetic words about speaking in stadiums and things like that. And, I, and they're big words. And like on my best day, I could never make that happen unless I went to an empty stadium and just preached to myself or something like that. But again, it's like, no, I can't make that happen. But how do I align myself by preparing to be who God says I am? So I started studying public speaking. I started listening to people who really impacted me. I would start practicing. I would say yes to any time I was um, offered to speak, whether it was two people or 200. I started to come into alignment with the promise so that I would be prepared when the Lord decided to release that. All right? So right now, Lord, what can I do to practically prepare for either a promise you've given me or who you've called me to be? I just want to give you a minute. I want you guys to hear. I want you to see. I want you to feel. I feel like the Lord's giving you. How many of you guys are hearing something or receiving something right now? Awesome. Okay. And then our final position is to act. 
Some of you have had words over your life that you just need to take a step towards. Ask the Lord right now, Father, what is one thing I can do as an action step towards fulfilling the prophetic promise you've given me? I don't want to be presumptuous, but I do want to be a faithful son and daughter and partner with you by acting on the word. So even right now, just releasing those actions. Like, Lord, what can I do? What is one thing I can do? Not just a position of my heart, not just agreement, but it's something that is tangible and measurable and I can do it. Some of you who've been called to write a book, start just writing in a journal. Or get, a, get your computer out and just start writing a paragraph every day. Some of you who are called to write songs, just start coming up with melodies, recording them in your phone. Like just start moving again towards that prophetic fulfillment. That's what pleases the Lord, you guys. When we believe who God says we are and we actually take action steps towards that, that's faith. That's what faith looks like and faith pleases God. So Father, we thank you that we are your sons and your daughters right now, Lord. And God, we do. We want to partner with you. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are co-heirs, Father, and we want to run with you. Father, I just pray that there would be a catalytic momentum and acceleration in this house for those who can grasp and receive the word with faith. Father, that there would be an acceleration of the prophetic promises over their lives, so much that they're trying to keep up. They're trying to keep up. I thank you, Lord, that you are so good. And for those of you in this house that feel like, I don't really feel like I have a lot of prophetic words or promises over my life. Can I tell you that God is so excited and he can't wait to share them with you. And this house has some amazing prophetic teams and ministry. And I'm, and I'm sure you can connect with them about how to do that and how to, how to be involved with that more. But Lord, we love you. God, we wanna be, we just wanna, we wanna see your word fulfilled. We thank you, Lord, that there's more people prophesying on earth than ever before. Father, you are advancing the prophetic at a new level, Father, because every son and daughter, it is their dignity and their right to know your voice. And I thank you, Lord, that your, your purposes are, and plans are good. They're plans to prosper and not to harm. And we release every promise of God right now in this house, Father, the ones that you take care of, amen, Lord. We, we agree with that. We will wait, Father, and anything that we are to partner with, Father, I just pray there be an excitement and a joy to start moving towards the advancement and fulfillment of that word. We love you, Jesus, and I bless this house with an increased grace to know your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. I'm Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.